Okay, so yeah, so we're talking essentially about how can you, as somebody who is in business or in leadership, uh, or who's trying to start a business, how can you operate and function in your true identity, which is being a child of God. And the way in which I have come to really appreciate uh, how things function, how things work, is to put my kingdom mindset on. Because what the kingdom does, or the concept, or the idea of a kingdom, what that does is it sets me to see what my culture ought to be that is not determined by my geographical upbringing. It's not determined by the things I cannot change, like my skin color. It is not determined by the voices that are around me, but determined by something that is truer. And what kingdom does is that it creates culture. Kingdom creates understanding. Kingdom creates habits. And kingdom creates purpose and function, how you were to live. Uh, back home in Zimbabwe, we have a saying, because we're all grouped in different tribes. And so we have a saying, when people do things, they say, well, that is not the way of our people. That's not how we do things. And so when you then frame things under the idea or the concept of a kingdom, then I begin to see it and I say, that's not how I do things, because that's not the way of our kingdom. That's not the way that the people in my kingdom uh, function. So I see things mainly in that vein, and I'm, I'm hoping that as we go through this journey, uh, you will be able to see it too. So I, I don't know where you're at in terms of your business. I don't know what made you decide to come to this session. I know some of you were told to come to this session. So, so there is something for you, but I don't know what brought you. I don't know if your business is, is doing great. You're having much success. Or you're on the opposite side and you're going through struggle, you're going through difficulty and quitting is an option for you right now and you're thinking through that. Or you're stagnant. You've had much success but at this point you've come to a place of stagnation. Because there's always something that you're going to be struggling with when you're in business. I, I started an insurance agency with some, with some folks and when you do something in terms of business, they have 15 different kind of hells and they can all break loose on you at exactly the same time. And they all need your attention. And so you go through those periods where you have to be tested on your resolve in walking or taking this journey of starting a business or being in some form or frame of leadership. So I don't know where you're at, but I want us to touch on some things that can kind of help us to figure out where we are going, to figure out how you can be able to stand the tests that are thrown at, at you. Let's pray real quickly. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, even as we are gathered here this morning. Our desire is to meet with you, to commune with you, and to have an understanding that allows us to build your kingdom. I pray for each and every single person here, Lord, that as this word is spoken, that they're able to hold on to something that can change the trajectory of their lives. I can push them into the place that they need to go, encourage them to be able to believe that little bit much more in themselves, to have a resolve that all things come together for good. They work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. 
I thank you for whatever businesses, whatever leadership, whatever ministries that are housed in this particular room, I speak and pray that they would blossom and flourish and that they would bear much fruit and fruit that lasts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Okay, so open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. And we're going to look at two different types of kingdoms. One of the struggles that you find as you are growing in business is another struggle of success. Success itself can actually become a stumbling block for you in business, particularly when you're doing well monetarily. And this can cause a challenge in that you might then begin to move away from who you are because you're being drawn by the pool of acquiring more or drawn by the pool of achieving or drawn by the pool of winning. Because winning itself can become an addictive thing and you can then start pursuing it and pursuing it so harshly that you can forget who you are, you can forget who God called you to be, and you can forget how you are to function. So I want us to look at these two different kingdoms, and I want you to see what Jesus is talking about in terms of building in the kingdom and building in this other kingdom that we're going to look at. Matthew 6 and 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and mammon. So the first word that I want us to look at here, which is very key to understanding this verse, and that is the word serve. The word serve. You cannot serve two masters. Now, I, always, I don't always like to pronounce those Hebrew words because I always know I'm going to mispronounce them. So I'm not going to try. But I will tell you what the meaning of that word serve denotes. The word serve there actually denotes an, a position or a posture of a slave. That means that when you are serving a master, you are in a place of a slave in that you have no ownership and no rights to yourself. Your goal is to please the master and do what the master is asking of you. That's what the word serve there looks like. So I want to explore a very important word that we love to hear, especially when I came into this country. It's a word that I hear time and time again. And I want us to explore that as we look at these two different kingdoms, under the idea or the concept of serving being a position of slavery. And that word is the word freedom. The word freedom. If you look at Merriam-Webster and the definition of freedom has to do with you not being hindered to do anything you choose or anything you want to think. So you have the ability to choose what you desire to do and you have the ability to think what you desire to think. That there's no obstacle or no hindrance allowing you to do so. If we follow along this thinking and we say you can do whatever you want and that is the definition of freedom, 
The problem is if we keep going down that road, we can delve into anarchy. Because true freedom has to do with there being principles and guidelines from which you can function in, and that's where you find freedom. So in essence, for you to be free, you have to be a slave to principles, to laws that govern how you act. If there are no principles or laws that govern how you act, you really are not going to find what you think freedom is because you can do what you want, which will then infringe on my freedom and I can then also infringe of yours. But the laws are there to keep us in a place where we are free. So in order for you to actually have true freedom, you have to be a slave. In order for you to actually find true freedom, you have to be a slave. And we all know what the Bible teaches. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So the question then is, if we are looking at freedom, what structures are governing the type of freedom you are existing in? Who is in charge of those structures? Who is in charge of those laws? So then you read this verse in Matthew, and he's essentially saying, in order for you to find the freedom you're looking for, excuse me, who is governing the structures in which you are functioning in? Who are you allowing yourself to be a slave under? Okay? And that's where you are finding true freedom. Well, that's where you're finding the freedom that you're looking for. So what type of freedom are you walking in is really based off of who you are serving or who you are following. And the interesting thing here is he then doesn't say you are either serving God or Satan. He didn't say that. Right? Because often the thought process is it's God versus Satan. That's the war. That's the battle. Satan is always after us, and Satan is always trying to get us down. The devil is after my children. The devil is after my business. The devil is after my stuff. But he doesn't say you can either serve God or you can either serve Satan. He says God and mammon. Because the thing about mammon is that mammon produces a type of freedom that we, you and I, do not actually want to be in because mammon is an amplifier. Once you get money, if you are into cars and you have $10,000, you're going to buy a car that's worth $10,000. But once we increase your want or your lot, you're going to improve the type of car that you're driving. So money is an amplifier. If you like to live in nice houses, if you're at a certain income, you're going to buy a house that is afforded by that income. When you increase in income, you amplify and you're not going to buy a bigger house. 
if you're into cheating and sleeping around, you can only do it so much when you have little money. The more money you increase, it amplifies, and all of a sudden you can fly out of the country and you are sleeping around where you're not caught. You're a, a cheater, an embezzler. You can only do so much with 10,000. We give you more money, it's just going to amplify what is already is on the inside of you because that's what the spirit of mammon does. You all know the story, at least guys in here who started out with something and you started out with your home, right? I used to make $400 a month and I thought, man, I'm not making enough money. It's so difficult. I need to make a lot more money so that I can live because $400 a month is not enough. And then I got a raise and I got $4,000 a month, okay? Within a short space of time, you know what I'll say? $4,000 a month is not enough. Not enough for me to live. I need more money. Okay? And sure enough, you get to $10,000. Guess what's going to happen to $10,000? It's not enough. Because the spirit of mammon is going to pull you in and give you a sense of freedom to say you can have more. You can have more. And the truth is more is never enough. And so now if you're following or serving God, God is more than enough. So when you are doing whatever it is you're doing, however you are living, if you are serving God, meaning you are a slave to God, you will always have more than enough. But if you are serving mammon, the freedom that mammon affords you is to always be in want and never have enough. And it's interesting, again, that he equates God and mammon. Because you know what the Bible says about mammon. The Bible says about mammon, 1 Timothy 6 and 10, the love of Thank you. Love of money is the root of what? All. Not some. All kinds of evil. I'm here to tell you whatever venture you're in, whether you're a leader, whether you're in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in the workplace, your goal in life is not to make money. Your goal in life is not to make money. Because if your goal is to make money, you are going to fall in love with the idea, the concept of money. And the Bible says the love of money, the worship of money, the kingdom of mammon is responsible for every single kind of evil that we see under the sun. And one of the main kinds of evils that is sweeping across the land because of the love of mammon is greed. Greed. Mammon or the kingdom of mammon produces greed. Okay? And I think that's important for us to understand and see this. It produces greed. 
If somebody can just read that for me. Can you read 1 Timothy? Okay, I, I got it. I think I got it here. Okay, 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and perceive themselves through, pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Moved away from the faith because under the kingdom of mammon, you can never have Enough. And so it opens yourself up to greed, and then you stray away from the faith, and they sorrow in it. But of the kingdom of God, the Bible says in Proverbs, the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. But in the kingdom of mammon, you can have the wealth, but there is sorrow Amen. that is added to it. But in the kingdom of God, there is no sorrow that's added to it. And it's easy for us to see. You see, the thing is, the principles of success are actually laid out. They're, they're in front of us. And I'm going to show you that the principles of success in any venture are actually found in the Bible. All the people, companies, and places that you see as success are actually following biblical principles. That's why, the, that's why Jesus, speaking to, to, to the disciples and some of the believers, says the, king, the children of this world are more shrewd or more wise in their dealings than are the children of light. They're more shrewd because they're able to see these principles. The Bible says the rich and the poor have one thing in common. God made them all. The rich and the poor have one thing in common. God gave them sight. So you're rich or poor based on how you see. So the principles of success are there, and I'm going to share them with you. So you will find that the people in the world will have success. And has anybody ever read Psalm chapter 73? Because it's easy for us to look at the number one company in the world right now, I believe, is Apple. And you've got Amazon. And you've got all these companies. None of them profess God. None of them shout, Jesus Christ is king. None of them do. Right? The richest person in the world is... Thank you. Has anybody ever heard him say, Jesus Christ is king or Lord? I haven't. He might have, but I haven't. So it seems like the wealth of the world is given to the unrighteous. That's what it feels like. The wealth of the world is given to the unrighteous. That is not those that are championing and saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Those are not the ones that seem to have all this wealth. In fact, sometimes the people that have wealth, that are Christians, we doubt them. Are you genuine? Are you legit? How are you getting this gain? We doubt them. 
And so it's easy for us to fall into this trap. In Psalm chapter 73, the Psalm of Asaph, he says, Surely my foot nearly slipped, for I envied the way of the unrighteous. Because it seems, and I'm paraphrasing here, their children are happy. Everything about their life is going good. They never have ill that happens into their life. He said, I was so filled with anguish at the idea that the people that don't worship God seem to have everything that they need. And yet me who has toiled, who worships on a Sunday, I lift up my holy hands and I cry unto the Lord and I devoted myself to God died to self seemed to be in struggle he says how is this he says I was filled with the anguish in my heart because I saw this and then he said until I entered into the sanctuary of God and when I entered into the sanctuary of God I was able to have my eyes open and I saw their end I saw their end. I saw where they were at. I saw the judgment and the punishment that God was going to bring upon their lives. And I saw the blessing that God is for me. He says, surely I will take your hand and I will walk with you all the days of my life. So when you look at people And we get into the system of the world that determines success based on numbers of possession, based on numbers of things. We are actually missing the mark entirely. The word mammon is also the word possession. So in Matthew chapter 15, sorry, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against what? All kinds of greed. Are you there? Go on, go there. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We're about to get into it. We're about to get into it. You know what true poverty is? You know what a person who's really poor is? It's not somebody who doesn't have stuff. But a person who's really poor is a person without a vision. Is a person who does not know what is inside of them. Because if you don't know what is inside of you, those that do will employ you to help them achieve theirs. That's good. <laughs> if you don't know who you are, and you don't know what you have, and you don't know your value, you will always serve those that do.
even now, I work for New Song Church. But I'm not working for Pastor Josh. How the system works in the kingdom is I have vision. I have ability and I have a calling. I have gifts and I have talents. He has the same. I'm bringing mine alongside him to achieve a greater purpose. So actually don't look to how much I'm getting paid as much as I look to achieving that vision, that goal together with him. But if I didn't have, then you were employed. And in many cases, you are doing something you don't enjoy doing just to make money. And you fall into the kingdom of mammon when that happens. So the problem is not only in making too much. The problem can also exist when you're making too little. And you fall under the kingdom of mammon where you're a slave to mammon. And you're pushed to and fro by people who have the ability to see it. The ability to have vision. So poverty, lack, is not that you don't have possession. It's a lack of understanding the vision and the seed that God has inside of you. The kingdom of mammon is going to be governed by greed. Which is why in greed, somebody else determines your worth. I will pay you $7.25 an hour. That is how much I see your worth. And what the enemy will do is he will make you value yourself based upon that dollar amount. When you're looking at the kingdom of mammon. Because we are also in the kingdom of mammon going to value somebody higher because of the amount of money that they make. The rich and the poor have one thing in common. God made them all. The rich and the poor have one thing in common. They have sight. But based on how you see, you're going to be poor or you're going to be rich. Not based on what you have. So then here's the question. Who are you? What do you have? What do you possess? What's on the inside of you? Because what really happens on this world, let, let me tell you what business is. Business is an answer to a crisis, a need, an issue or problem. Think about it. That's what business is. If I identify a need, I have a business. Because I start supplying things that help with that need. There's a shoe in Zimbabwe, it's called Sandak. Do you, have, do you know anybody know Sandak here? It's made out of total plastic. So a story is told, this is a true story. 
two guys from here in America. They're in college. They go to India. They're going on a vacation. Hey, we're going to see India and see what they got, what they got to offer. They get to India, enjoying themselves. And they look out of their hotel room. They see masses of people in poverty, dirty, squalors, living in places that they would not wish upon the enemy. And they had no shoes. And the one guy says, man, I have never seen such poverty. And the other guy says, man, I've never seen so many people without shoes. What an amazing shoe business that I can start. So they come back here, and they're both in college. And then the guy, he starts drawing designs for shoes. He's trying to think, how can I make a shoe that can help the people that I saw in India? Then eventually he decides, I'm going to quit college because I'm going to get into business. And the other guy says, come on, don't quit college. You've only got two more years in college. He goes, no, i got to do this thing. And so he ventures into business. He's able to make this shoe for about a quarter. Ships it off to, 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 to India. They're able to sell it. Obviously, there's struggles in there that anybody who's in business knows. But he's able to pursue his dream. Sends out these shoes. And within two years, he's a multi-millionaire. Why? Solved a problem. What problem are you solving? What crisis are you helping alleviate? What need are you meeting? That's kingdom thinking. That's where your value is. That's kingdom business. One person sees poverty and people in squalor. Another person sees a need and rises up to meet the need. That's kingdom thinking. Where are you at? What are you doing? Do you wake up at nine to five and you just live life? And the goal is, I got to make this money to make sure that I pay my bills. I got to make this money to just make sure that I expand. I got to make this money because you know, if I have money, then I'll be able to buy that beautiful home. That I even... If you're in there and that's all you're seeing, you are under the direction of mammon. But if you're in there and you say, how can I meet this need? How can I continue to meet? How can I pivot in my business to make sure I'm still there for, for folks and helping them in the financial industry? Because people don't know how to manage their money. I want to be able to help people manage their money. I'm going to be the answer to that need of financial blessing. If you do that, then you are under the spirit, under the kingdom of God. And in that, you will have increase. If you look at it and you say, people don't have houses, how can I bid homes cheaply so that I can offer it to people, so that people can be able to live in homes because I see a lot of homelessness. If you think that way, you're in the kingdom. And then the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, but he adds no sorrow to it. You becoming an answer to what is around you. And do you know who's creating these needs? Do you know who's actually creating the crisis? Who's creating the problem? It's people that are in the kingdom of mammon. 
It's greed. The problems of this world is because of greed. I'm not going to make sure that you get the product because you don't pay me the dollar amount that I, that I have. So I'm going to kick you out and keep you out of the process so that I can make sure that he's on top because he's good for business. Even though I might meet a need, real need here, I'm just going to do it because I I, I, he's good for business. You know why wars are fought? It's greed. Russia right now invades Ukraine. Why? You can hide all and put some intelligent words in there, but it's greed. People will support wars and say, let the war continue because my business has opened up to where I can sell more weapons. And so I need the money. So let this war continue so that I make money. Why? Greed. So the kingdom of mammon creates the issues that we face in this world. And God says, I am sending you as the answer to meet those needs. I am sending you as the answer to meet every issue, every problem that's arising. So when you're in business, you're in ministry. You're in ministry. You have your stage. You have your pulpit. You have your message, and that message is on the inside of you, and God will bless that message because he wants to advance his kingdom. You're in ministry. You're all ministers. That's what you're doing in business. And I want to show you how. People in the world use these principles, laws if you want to call them, in order to gain wealth. Because the principles of success are easy to follow. Your goal in life is not to make more money. Your goal in life is to minister by responding to a need. Even church, you realize church is business. Do you realize? Church is business. Why? Because church is responding to a need. And when we respond to the need, God adds to our lot so that we keep responding to that need. So church itself is like business. And the people of the world use this principle. Go to Genesis 1 and verse 28. I'm going to read it from the King James Version. Because I like how it breaks down the words. So the Bible reads, <clears throat> Is this helping anybody? Genesis 1:28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, number one, multiply, replenish, 
the earth, and subdue it and have dominion. Okay? Five. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. In Genesis 1 and 26, God creates man and woman, and he tells them to have dominion. And this, verse 28, he's telling them how dominion is achieved. The word dominion is the word, this one I might try to pronounce, mamlaka, which translates to kingdom. The word kingdom talks about reign, reigning. Were you reigning in a domain or in a space? That you have authority in that particular space. God called us to have dominion. And what does the rest of the verse say? The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and everything that creeps on the earth. So the dominion is not of each other, but of resources. In other words, God did not give Adam a chair. He gave him a tree, and the chair was hidden in the tree. So to have dominion was to make sure he could see that, and he can carve out the chair from the tree. If I give you a seed, what do you have in your hand? Somebody. Right? If I give you a seed, you have potential. Yes. But somebody will just see a seed. Somebody else will see a forest. Because once you plant it, it's going to produce a tree, that's going to produce a seed, that's going to plant again, that's going to produce... And the maxim goes on. What do you see? Who's been to Atlantis? Atlantis. The Bahamas. You been? Fun? I've never been. Did you know that that was called Hog Island? Hog Island, back in the day. There was trash and wild hogs running everywhere. That's what Atlantis was. Then one man came to the Bohemians and said, hey, I'd like to buy that island. And they laughed at him. They said, this guy, okay, you want to buy a dump? Sure. And they sold it to him for almost nothing. Almost nothing. And then he built hotels on this island. And he changed the name from Hog Island to Paradise Island. And then he built a bridge from that Hog Island to the rest of the Bohemian Islands. Then he started making lots of money. Then another dude came and said, hey, I would like to buy this from you. And he sold it for a lot of money. And that dude took it and built today what we call Atlantis. Billions of dollars every year are left on that island when we as tourists go out there. Billions of dollars on Hog Island. One man sees dirt and bad. Another man sees Atlantis. One man sees the hood. No good people. Another man sees people that have potential. 
to change the world? What do you see? Put it another way. You look at yourself. You see, I'm terrible. No good. Anything I do really never amounts to much. I don't achieve. I struggle in business. My luck never goes in the way that it should. Yeah, for me, I just fix one problem after another. Things never work out well. I'm bad. I'm terrible. Somebody ought to fire me. Somebody ought to remove me from this earth. I'm no good. The world would be better without me. I should quit. I should sit down. That's what you see. God says, you, the son that I have created yeah. and I have put in you the capacity to change the world. Yeah. Come on. Come on now. God looks at you and he says, I need you to wake up because inside of you is something that I want to awaken. Because the number one law we read is what? What's the number one law? You must be fruitful. And I know we always think about kids, babies, and fill the earth. But the word fruitful also means productive. Be productive. What does productive mean? Productive means you have a seed in you. You cannot be fruitful without seed. So the number one law was not have seed. Because he already has seed on the inside of you. Many are the purposes of a man's heart, but a man of understanding draws them out. You're asking me who I, who I am. I'm asking you who you are. I am saying inside of you, God has put something. Will you go on a journey to discover it by asking the Lord to open your eyes that you might see the need that you have been created to fulfill? What need? Because there's something in you that you can do, that I cannot do because of the gifts that are in you, the talent, the core, the personality, everything, the package in you. Something that you have that the person next to you does not. But you got to find it. What's yours? What's your seed? Because you have seed in you. So when he says be fruitful, he doesn't say have seed. He just already goes to saying be fruitful because he knows you have seed. You produce Help me out. How, how do you determine the wealth of nations? Gross product. Product is production. What are you producing? Even nations determine wealth based on production. What are you producing out of your seed? What are you producing? Okay? Who knows a WAPA? What's a WAPA? Burger. Okay. Who makes a WAPA? Okay. It's, it's funner when I say it. Who in here can easily find the ingredients to make a WAPA. All of you. But what do you all do when you want a WAPA? You go to Burger King, right? Why? Because they produce something. That was their vision. They produce something. You want an iPhone, where are you going to go? 
produce something. Okay? This is not true now, but it was true back in the day. There was a dude that was producing by hitting a ball. His name was Tiger Woods. That was his product. Who knows Billy Graham? What is his product? Salvation. Simple message of the gospel. That was his message. That was his product. What's yours? What's your product? So you've got to produce. That's number one. You've got to produce. You've got to figure out what you are going to produce. Why does Burger King make a Whopper? Because we all get hungry. There's your need. Why does Apple make an iPhone? Because we all want to stay in communication. There's your need. Why does Billy Graham, why did he start those crusades and go everywhere? Because there was a... Produce a product. Be fruitful. But then after you're fruitful, what do you do? You multiply. You multiply. How many Burger Kings are there? Did you know they're not just in America? But do you know if you eat a Whopper, at one Burger King is the same Whopper. Another Burger King. Do you know your iPhone 14 looks exactly like his iPhone 14? <laughs> Did you know that the message that Billy Graham preached in Sudan was the same message he preached in Africa? A product. Multiply. So you've got to produce, but then you've got to be able to reproduce. If you cannot reproduce, then you're not growing. Be fruitful. And multiply. So God said, you got to reproduce. Because if it's not, if you're not able to reproduce your product, you're not going to experience dominion. Because it's just in the confines of where you're at. Zimbabwe is a farming economy. In other words, the economy is built on what they produce from the land. You have a lot of farmers that are commercial. <coughs> and then you have local farmers that are subsistence farmers. Everybody know subsistence? What that means? It means what I produce is just for me. And I sell it is just for me. Which type of farming will hold up the economy? Commercial. So, we won't get into the politics of it. But when the great leader of our nation decided to push away all the commercial farmers and replace them with subsistence farmers, what do you think happened to the economy? Because you got to be able to reproduce. 
Who has gone into different Walmarts? The layout is more or less the same in every Walmart, right? Reproduce. After you reproduce, fruitful, multiply, replenish. To replenish is to fill. To replenish is to fill, right? Or fill the earth. That's replenishing. So that means what he's saying there is you've got to be able to distribute. You've got to be able to distribute the seed that is on, on the inside of you. You've made it a product. You're able to reproduce it. Now you've got to be able to distribute it. We talked about this, right? The Whopper is not only, I don't even know where Burger King is originally from, but it's not just in that city. It's world over. Guys, this is true of ministry. So when New Song Church says, we help people know God by practicing the way of Jesus, that's the product. Do you understand? That's the product. Yeah. Now we've got to be able to reproduce it. Yeah. So that means we have messages. That's why we go on mission trips. Because we're, producing, we're trying to reproduce this message. Now we've got to be able to distribute it. So that means we've got to be able to go to even further places. That's why Jesus says, where do you start? You start in your city and then you go to the uttermost ends of the earth. You've got to be able to distribute What are we distributing? What are you distributing? Because if you've stopped distributing, I don't know where you're at in business. I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody right now who has a business that seems stagnant. Seems like it's not going anywhere. You gotta look and say, how can I begin to redistribute this seed that God has given me, this gift this production that I've began. Oprah Winfrey. Remember her? That's a product. Docking. <laughs> no doubt of talk. She packages the whole thing nice and neat. What does she do? She multiplies. She's able to, to reproduce it. So now she knows the system of the show, and then she sends it out to different media outlets. How many Oprah shows are running? One show. But it's running on what? So many different channels. And all of a sudden we say Oprah is wealthy and rich. Again, you're not pursuing money. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not pursuing money. You're pursuing your God-given call. Your God-given passion. And it won't matter whether you are making 10,000, 20, or 50. It will not matter. Because as you do this, God will give you what you need in order to accomplish the call that he has placed on your life. Because again, we've already read it. The sum of who I am is not determined by my possession. Who I am with 10,000 should be the same with a million. Saints, who I am, that means my value is not determined by a dollar amount or whether I have 16 houses. My value is not determined by that. 
but to see if I'm doing well is how am I pursuing the goals and the visions that God has placed on my life? How am I doing? Am I dead to self? Is life consisting of going to church on a Sunday and then going home and sleeping and going to work for somebody else while they achieve their business, while they achieve their dream and hoping and praying, God, may there be a raise that comes in the sweet by and by. May somebody look upon me and promote me to a new position. Is that all that there is to you? I would like to say no. You are made for so much more. You are made for so much more. And I'm not saying so much more in terms of monetary return. I'm saying so much more in terms of helping somebody, of meeting a need, of being an answer to something. And believe me, once you start with one, you know the passion? You know the passion. It grows. I can do more of this. I can help more people. Now you're redistributing. I can, how can I make it end up here? How can I make those people? Surely the people in Wisconsin suffer from a lack of understanding who God is. I could move into Wisconsin too. Surely when I go to Spain, they have the same need. You're producing the product that God put in you. And you're making it go to so many different places. So our new song goes online. So our new song has podcasts. Why? Because we want to reach, redistribute this product. And do you know how much new song makes out of these online things? Zero. But the sum total of what new song church is, is not based on possession. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It's based on your impact. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, subdue. To subdue is to have impact. Because when you subdue something, it's like you've got your knee on it. It ain't going nowhere. Right? That's why when we want a Whopper, we don't go to McDonald's. Because Burger King has the knee on us. If anywhere I want to go and get a Whopper, I got to go to Burger King. If I want to go, if you wanted to go back in the day, because now she's, you can see how old I am. Now she's, she's not really doing it. But if you wanted to go watch them talk show host thingies, there's only one Oprah. Then you're going to go to her. If you want an iPhone, you're not going to Samsung. You're going to Apple. Subdue. There is a product. There is a product that we have as a church. That product can only be found with us. The world needs this product. There's nowhere else where they can go to get this product. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. 
No one. Comes to the Father except through this product. It doesn't say no one but Buddhists. No one but Muslims. It says no one can come to the Father except through me. Paul writes in Ephesians, it says, the divine wisdom of God has been made known to the church. The divine wisdom has been made to the church. And you can sit here and think the place where we congregate, right? Because when I say church, I'm going to church is probably one of the worst things we've ever done to ourselves. Saying, I am going to church. Because when you say to yourself, I'm going to church, and then I say, the divine wisdom of God has been made known to the church, your mind is going to immediately run to building. But I'm saying the divine wisdom of God has been made known to you, church, to go into business. To be in business. To be in leadership. So which means your business, as it meets the need, it is going to talk about this one product that we have, that nobody else has, which is Jesus Christ. May they know when they do business with you that they have met a citizen of the kingdom of God. That they have not met just another ordinary person because you know what? Everybody sells shoes. Everybody. Everybody sells shoes. But when you sell shoes, you have the power of God behind the product, behind what you are doing. And when you finish selling these shoes, they're going to know there was something different about what we did with this guy that we don't have with anybody else. There was something different. You're in finance when they meet with you. Hey, you know that? In finance, the people are always trying to cut corners. You keep it straight. Because you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when they finish, they go, man, there was something different about you. And when they start saying that, do you know what you have? Dominion. Because then this is the word that will be on their lips. If you want to do good business, you go to Steve Romano. When they start saying that, you have dominion. The word in people's mind, you want somebody who's going to be straight with you, somebody who's going to give you the right tools and the right way, go to this guy. You're dominating. That means now you've created your domain where the word out on the street about you is that, yeah, you sell shoes, but you sell shoes differently. You have a different spirit about the way you sell your shoes. A different spirit about the way you do your boat industry. You have a different spirit about the way you communicate with people. You have a different spirit about the way you do things. Now, you have dominion. God is looking for us to have dominion. Not over people. Not over people. See, when you're starting to hire people, if you're chasing mammon, 
What you're going to try and do is try and fill spots with people that can at least function. So that they can do the job so that you can get to hit the bottom line. That's what you're going to do. But when you're kingdom minded and you're trying to hire somebody, you want to see if their gift and purposes can align with yours for you to produce the goal and the vision that God has laid out for you. If they don't have the same heart, the same understanding of the vision, things will fall apart. I hope you understand this. This is, this is, this is key to all those five steps we talked about. When you start hiring, when you start partnering with people, you make sure they have the same heart as you. That their goal, their purpose in life can align with yours to produce a greater gift. Because if it doesn't, that, those are some places where those 15 hells come from. <laughs> 50 hells. And they're all just at the same time. Then you're wanting to quit. But when you connect and partner with the right people, it will help make your load lighter. We started with Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. After that, he says, do not worry about what you will eat, drink, or the clothes that you will wear. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the same scriptures. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? Some of these things will be added. Oh. What's your desire? What is your desire? So when it says, seek ye first the kingdom, this is what he's saying. The kingdom culture, cultivate the gift in you to meet the need that I've called you to meet. As you meet this need, all these things are added to you. Don't limit it to just praying. Praying is a part of it. Don't limit it to just fasting. Fasting is a part of it. Don't limit it to just worship. Worship is a part of it. But what I'm saying is, when you're doing research, you're seeking. How can I make this product better? You're seeking. How can I reach more clients? You're seeking. How, how can I make sure that I stay in line with who I am and I'm not deviating? You're seeking. How can I partner up with somebody who is, you're seeking. How can I, you are seeking. And as you continue to do this, you do it in the kingdom. All these things will be added to you. I don't know how much time we're supposed to be together. That's it. That's it. That's it. Amen. I want, I want to pray for you. And the reason I want to pray for you 
is because if we're talking about a revival, when we're talking about a revival, what everybody sees is always the revivals of the past. You know, people having encounters with the Holy Spirit and all that happened. Great. But I have a little bent on my desire for revival. That not just seeing an overflow of people coming to Christ and there being the Holy Spirit and the experience with the Holy Spirit. I want that. But I want to see a revival in the country in the way business is run. I want to see a revival there. That all of a sudden, we bring back concepts, kingdom concepts, like honesty, like integrity, like selflessness, service. And then be a revival and say, have you noticed things are changing? All those people that do things by greed, somehow they're not finding success. That you've got to be the straight and narrow in order to find success. That's a revival I want. That's a revival that I'm looking for. So, the wealth of the right, or the wealth of the wicked, wealth of the wicked. I'm giving the mic. I'm sorry. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Come on. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Do you know what he just said? He said that there is somebody who is living in Canaan, which is your land. That's what he just said. There's somebody who is living on Canaan. And Canaan is your land. And God says, I have a land for you that I am going to give to you. But the thing is, this land is not without inhabitants. There are people on this land. They have stored up wealth for it. But I'm taking your hand and I'm going to walk you onto this Canaan. And I'm going to boot everybody out who's not supposed to be on your land. That means there's a building, an office space. Oh, somebody is in this office space. He's stacking up the wealth for you. And God's saying, I'm going to take your hand. And I'm going to walk with you. And if you let me lead you, we will get into that building space. That is yours. That's what he just said. The wealth of the wicked. Stood up for you. Would you stand with me? I don't know where you're at, but I'm going to pray for a revival in your life with where God would take you. So I want you to open your heart. And I don't know if you understand your seed yet. I don't know if you've already figured out your seed. I don't know if you're now on the, on the, on the being fruitful portion of it. I don't know if you're multiplying. I don't know where you are at. But I'm going to pray for a divine direction that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, whoever lacks wisdom, let it ask and God will give graciously without finding fault. And I'm going to pray that wisdom be yours in order for you to see and govern and direct the path that God has for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come here today. We came here today laying aside everything about our lives to come here because we trust in you. It is not to a man that we came, but to you. And so I pray right now for each and every single person, business, calling, gift, leadership, whatever it is, Lord, that you would give a divine wisdom that only you can give that will allow for such a massive breakthrough in all areas of influence, education, 
agriculture, industry, whatever it is, that there is a revival as we, as the children of light, begin to take our position and our post within these places that would cause such a revival. I thank you, Lord, that this begins with the people that are in this room right now in the name of Jesus. That they will grow and they will grow exponentially. I honor you for what you're doing with these men, Lord. I praise you for the seed that is in them. I praise you for the dominion that is within them. And we will see it in the land of the living. In Jesus' mighty name.